Hello, and welcome to Let's Meet the Virologists, a podcast about the people behind today's virology headlines, people working to understand viruses and how they affect you. With the annual American Society for Virology meeting coming up soon, we are talking with students, postdocs, and other virologists presenting at the meeting so that you can learn who they are and what they do. I am Larissa Thackeray, and I am hosting this podcast from America's Heartland in St. Louis, Missouri. On June 20th, 2023, we talked with Rohit Jangra, an assistant professor at Louisiana State University Health Shreveport. He received his bachelor's and master's in veterinary sciences in India and his PhD at the University of Texas Medical Branch at Galveston. His lab focuses on identifying entry receptors for hantaviruses. So thanks for uh, talking with us today. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to um, to tell you about you know myself and our work the work that we do. I really appreciate it. So um, my name is Rohit Jangra. Um, I am an um, assistant professor here at um, LSU Health Science Center in Newport, also called LSU Health Newport. Um, and I started my lab um, in September 2021. Uh, right in the middle of the pandemic. Um, and, um, you know, I have been studying hantaviruses and in general, bunya viruses from entry perspective, as well as um, you know, developing some antibody-based therapeutics. Um, the work that I have been doing with uh, Kartik Chandran, uh, my postdoc mentor at Albert Einstein College of Medicine. Great. And can you tell us when you first became interested in science and virology? How did that happen for you? Yeah, so it was um, right after my high school. So in India, we have the option to go to med school, uh, medical school or veterinary school right after high school. Um, and I uh, joined uh, veterinary medicine to study veterinary medicine, and which is a five and a half year program in India. And when I was right in the middle of that, when we started learning about veterinary microbiology and, and generally virology, um, I just realized, you know, how cool viruses are and, you know, amazing things because we can't even see them, at least bacteria, we can see them under the microscope. We can't even see them, but, you know, you could see diseases, especially in India at that time, foot and mouth disease virus um, causing, you know, um, massive outbreaks even render pest a little bit was around that time um, so some of these you know massive diseases that you know affected livestock as well as livelihood of farmers and and everyone involved because i kind of come from a from a rural background um, so so that's basically what really led to and i decided i don't rather than being a clinician i would rather do uh, the research um, so then I moved on to, to, to basically study veterinary virology, a master's program um, in veterinary virology at this um, institute called Indian Veterinary Research Institute um, in India. And where I worked on foot and mouth disease virus, um, where we were trying to figure out um, basically one of the major problem at that time was for one of the genotypes of um, foot and mouth disease virus. The vaccine wasn't working as well as um, other genotypes and it was basically antigenically and genetically diverse um, from the circulating strains the vaccine strain that was being used Um, so my work really was focused there to 
to try to come up with a new strain. And, you know, um, interesting enough, a few years later, that strain that I identified together with my mentor was actually incorporated in the updated vaccine uh, for foot and mouth disease virus um, that was used in India. Um, cool. And then I guess to go on, can you tell us a little bit about the path you followed to get uh, to where you are today? Yeah, so um, so after my uh, master's program, I decided I wanted to do a PhD uh, here in the U.S. So I was um, lucky enough to get into um, the PhD program at uh, University of Texas Medical Branch in Galveston, Texas. Um, and that's uh, where I came in 2004. And there I um, worked on hepatitis C virus because at that time, uh, my mentor, uh, Stan Lemon and, and Peter Sarno at Stanford University had, together they had identified the role of this uh, microRNA, which is a liver-specific microRNA, MIR-122, in the replication of hepatitis C virus. So my dissertation was really focused on trying to figure out how exactly this microRNA is helping you know, hepatitis C virus to replicate better. And we um, had some interesting discoveries where uh, we figured out there was, you know, there was uh, an increase in translation of the um, hepatitis C virus polyprotein um, after MIR-122 binds to the genome. But actual mechanism, what we um, figured out is eventually that it's actually the effect, um, how this microRNA works is, uh, and it's one of the ways it, it stabilizes the um, the viral genome uh, from degradation um, from one of the exonucleases, XRN1. Um, and, and that was kind of counterintuitive because microRNAs usually they bind to the target and downregulate gene expression or destabilize the target rather than um, increasing expression. But um, so that's um, what my PhD was focused on. Also, part of my PhD was um, also working on this protein called DDX6, which was another uh, member of the, the, you know, the RNAi induced silencing complex. Um, and we figured out actually, you know, my hypothesis was that you know they work together, but of course, just like most hypotheses, it was wrong. So my title of my dissertation was actually they work independently of each other. They are both important, but they are working independently of each other. Great. And then what did you do after your PhD? So then I was looking for a postdoc position. So I was um, at Mount Sinai uh, with um, Dr. Benjamin Turnover um, in his lab for a couple of years. And then I decided um, with there I was working on microRNA, but then I figured out I needed to um, you know, do something else. So um, Kartik Chandran was looking for, uh, you know, who works on virus entry um, on filoviruses. And then when I joined his lab in 2012, um, he was looking for trying to expand into something new. And I was also interested in doing something different. So we started working on hantaviruses um, and trying to understand the role of host factors in hantavirus entry. Um, and one of the other things that the lab was really working on, filovirus entry and filovirus um, antibody-based um, therapeutics. And that's where you know, some of the hantavirus interests also span into that, where I, I contributed um, a little bit of that. 
Okay. And I guess one question for these different stages in your career, was it mainly the science that drove where you ended up or were there other factors that you were kind of considering or uh, playing a part in how you ended up in those different places? No, I think it was just largely, you know, I'm a big believer of, you know, not choosing before there is anything on the table. So I just, you know, up, of course, there were certain things that I, I, you know, had intentional decisions, but most of the time it was like, okay, I got these four options. I can work on this virus or that virus. Um, but, you know, what is the most interesting question and what is the you know, sort of like a burning question for the field? And for me, what drives my interest? That's how sort of I ended up working on so many different viruses, you know, from Picorna viruses to Flavi viruses to Bunia viruses. So it's been a very interesting sort of, um, um, you know, personal and professional growth. Right, right. And then tell us about how you got to your current position and, and the kind of research that you're doing in your own lab. Yeah, so one of the, the things, you know, we in Kartik's lab, what we did was um, use the haploid um, cell-based um, uh, genetic screen, genome-wide genetic screen for looking for host factors. And Kartik had used, uh, together with Time Brummelkamp, um, this um, approach to identify receptor for Ebola viruses. Um, and we basically sort of piggybacked on, uh, piggybacked on that approach using a VSV-based system to sort of identify hunt virus uh, receptors. And we, um, we were fortunate to identify this protein called protocadarin one which is um, called um, you know, a member of Cadarin superfamily that was um, um, a host factor or a you know, kind of a receptor, depending on how you define receptor, yeah. uh, to, um, for the entry of new world hunter viruses. And when we kind of had that story out, um, and there is you know huge amount of work in terms of you know hunter virus entry has been studied for many, many years, and many receptors or candidate receptors have been identified. But more recently, we have identified, you know, at least sequence-based discoveries that the hunter virus diversity is huge. So one of the questions that I was really looking at is like, okay, we know receptor uses for some of these hunter viruses. We do not know a lot about a lot of other, um, you know, potential candidate receptors or these newly discovered hunter viruses. So what do they really use? So that's what, you know, sort of, I, um, you know, um, with Kartik's help, I ended up writing an R21 grant that was, you know, funded by NIH, and I sort of used that as a launching pad to look for positions. And I was fortunate to land here um, at LSU Health and Shreveport. Okay, great. And then, can you describe a little bit about what is the research you've been doing? One of the things that we discovered is this PCDH1 receptor. It's used by, you know. If you look at, you know, there are more than 40 different species of hantaviruses that are ICTV recognized as of now. And ICTV, you know, classification keeps changing uh, based on, you know, our current knowledge, updated knowledge. So out of those 40 or so, um, we know that PCDH1 is used by at least four, uh, five of those viruses that we have tested. Um, the other candidate receptors that have been proposed in the literature, um, they were um, done based on quite a lot of elegant studies. But one of the things that were missing there, because you know many of those studies were done in late 90s and early 2000s, is genetic approach. So what we ended up doing recently was basically 
sort of tried to do an apples to apples comparison where we knocked out each one of these candidate receptors in um, human endothelial cells and try to ask this question, which one of these are relative important, you know, what is their relative importance? And what we figured out was that at least in these cells, these other non-PCDH1 candidate receptors are not essential for end. Doesn't mean they are not doing anything, but at least they are not absolutely required. So this kind of opens up the field, at least to, to us, that um, we know out of the 40 or so viruses, we know receptors for only five of them. Others, we have no idea. This also includes many of the old world hunt viruses that cause serious um, human disease. So it's not just like emerging, novel, non you know, uh, re-emerging or emerging new viruses. It's about viruses that also use, um, you know, uh, we know that cause human disease. So one of the questions that we are really doing is sort of like surveying this, uh, you know, diverse group of antiviruses trying to figure out, you know, first really to sort of classify, bin them into PCDH1 users and non-PCDH1 users. And we are really in like very early stages of those kind of um, uh, asking those questions or answering those questions. So that's, that's what, you know, a large portion of our lab's work is. Um, and, you know, we have some other things also going on in terms of, you know, even though this screen was done like um, 2012, we still, you know, are following on some of validating some of the other hits. Okay. And can you talk a little bit about what it was like setting up your lab in the middle of the pandemic? I've heard uh, it was not easy for a lot of people. Can you just talk a little bit about like that, what that was like for you? Yeah, I think just like, for most people um, trying to do this in the middle of pandemic, it was challenging. There were many different things, you know, at personal level, professional level. But I would say I was lucky in some ways because I ended up walking in a space that, you know, was kind of fully equipped. We only had to buy some things to get going. So that was really helpful because, you know, we could you know, just walk into the space rather than walking into an empty space where you have to wait for a biosafety cabinet to be delivered eight months later. <laughs> we didn't have to deal that, with that. But there were still, you know, challenges in terms of, you know, finding the right people to come to the lab also, you know, just like challenges of setting up a new lab as compared to, you know, being part of a, you know, a bigger lab that, you know, I was at Einstein with Karthik and even though I learned quite a lot of things over there, but, you know, flying solo is always challenging and interesting. I'm still figuring out things. <laughs> right, right. Um, and then I guess, um, what are sort of your future plans? What in the next five, 10 years, where do you see your lab? What do you want to be researching, I guess? Yeah, I guess, you know, um, I'm just like, you know, so far what I have done, I'm not really tied down to one particular virus, one particular question. I think it's about, you know, where the opportunity is and what's the most interesting question. So I imagine, you know, working on hantaviruses, trying to figure out, you know, the entry mechanism because there is so much more to be to be done there, but also expanding into, you know, potentially other viruses if the right opportunity comes. And one of the things that recently we got interested in is trying to develop small molecule inhibitors. All right. Well, thanks so much for talking with us today. And we look forward to hearing your research at ASB. Thank you so much. This has been Let's Meet the Virologists, a podcast about people who study viruses. This is your host, Larissa Thackray, and thanks for listening. 
You can find us on Google, Apple, Amazon Music, and other podcast providers or at lmtv.podbean.com. <laughs>